0: Today, I want to draw your attention to the last phrase found in verse 35. In fact, that is what I would like to label as my key verse today. And it says this, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Would you read that with me just one more time? It is more blessed to give than to receive. One more time, please. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Today I would like to label my sermon title with these words, The Power of Giving. The Power of Giving. Years ago when I was in high school as a junior, I went to Seafall, which is known as college for a weekend at Liberty University. And for those of you who may not be aware, I started off as my freshman year at Liberty University and I had a bad experience concerning with some of the students there and I was very bitter towards Liberty University. And I developed a hobby throughout my collegiate career if you will, and that is to read biographies. And I came across the late Reverend Jerry Falwell's biography and after I read that biography, my perspective on the university began to change. And as I read the biography of Jerry Falwell, I discovered that this man was a man that God's hand was on. And that he had a gift. Now was he, he was not only a visionary and a man of great faith and of integrity, but I believe that he had what is called the gift of giving. He was a man who would meet students and give them full rides or partial scholarships. He he was known as a giving man, and, and he had such a great gift of giving that it began to cost the university, and the university began to suffer financially. Now, if you know anything about the university now, it is not suffering financially, and I believe the reason why God has blessed that university in such a great way is because of that man's gift of giving. And today we learn a valuable lesson about a man that God has used yesterday since he's no longer with us. And maybe maybe God could, could allow us to ask ourselves, you know, I may not have the gift of giving like the late Jerry Falwell, but God, would you give me the gift of giving as well? It is more blessed to receive, excuse me, it is more blessed to give than to receive is what Jesus said. Now now, if you know anything about the book of Acts, you know that it's jam-packed, power-packed, and and, and full of just God moving in a great way. And, and throughout the book of Acts, we see that the prayers of the people went up, the power of God came down, the prospects came in, the persecution started and, and they went out and they all did it all over again. And, and in chapter 20, we see that the Apostle Paul is ministering to the leaders of Ephesus, these elders, these pastors, these servants who are serving the local church in a leadership position. And he relates to them how their first and foremost responsibility as a leader in the church is to feed the congregation the word of God. And in the midst of this charge he gives to these leaders, the very last thing he leaves with them is, it is more blessed to give than to receive. May I I just share it with these words? I wrote down this as my key statement today. That's the key verse. And the key statement is this. Give God your time, talents, and treasures. Give God your time, talents, and treasures. You see, some people, some Christians, give God a lot of their time, but they don't give Him their talents or treasures. Then there's some believers who are going to give God their talents, but not necessarily their time and their treasures. Then there's going to be people who are going to give God their treasures, but not their time and not their talents. We are called to give God All of our time, all of our talents, and all of our treasures. Today, the goal is simply to to remind us of the power of giving and that just as Jerry Falwell gave and gave and gave and then he his university and ministry received the very most great blessing of God. I believe the same is in return to us that if we were to give God our time, if we were to give God our talents, and we were to give God our treasures, then God is going to bless us and those that follow us in the days to come. How can we be blessed by God? Well, we give. As a congregation, we give. And I'm thankful today to be a part of a ministry who gives liberally and graciously and generously. And we'll talk about that later on. But today I want to ask and answer this question. As we're going to look at some portions of God's Word about giving. I ask myself this question I want to ask us all today. How is God calling us to give? Well, I'm glad you asked with me. Because I want to share first of all, Maybe you can write down this reference. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. As I read that portion of scripture, I wrote down this first sermon point. God is calling us to give cheerfully. God is calling us to give cheerfully. When I speak of giving today, I'm speaking of time, talents, and treasures, all three of them in one. If you got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me. To Second Corinthians, or maybe if you don't want to turn there, just jot it down or take a mental note of it. Second Corinthians, chapter nine and verse seven. If you know much about the the Church of Corinth, you know that it was a very, very liberal church. Uh, They were liberal in their theology. They were liberal in their lifestyle. And the Bible tells us that Paul wrote a first letter, and then he wrote a second letter, 2 Corinthians. And in this section of the letter, he emphasizes the importance of giving. And in verse number 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Bible says, Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Check it out now. Here's what the Bible says. For God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, the Bible is saying... It's not that you have to give God your time and your talents and your treasures. It's that we get to give God our time, talents, and treasures. And here the Bible says that if we get to a place in our life where we're giving grudgingly, and, and in other words, we're being very stingy with our time, our talents, and our treasures, and we're trying to use it for our own selfish gain, the Bible says that God will not necessarily love us. And here, I don't know about you, but I want God to love me, not just when He was on the cross 2,000 years ago. I want Him to love me every day of my life. And how can He do that? Well, when we give cheerfully or joyfully. Have you ever given somebody something before, whether it was your time or talents or treasure? Isn't it a blessing to give? I mean, you you give somebody something and in return it was as if you gave them a million dollars and and you might have just made them a meal. Or some fried chicken with some, with some macaroni and cheese. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness in the house of God today? Oh man, hope that's on the menu for this week at BBS. <laughs> Seriously, if you give somebody a gift or you give somebody your time, it, it blesses their day. And not only does it bless their day, it, it, it rings in the, in the ears of Almighty God. A great and joyful sound. You know, there's some verses I want to share with you along with cheerful giving. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 3, maybe you can write that verse down if you don't want to turn there. This is the chapter about faith, hope, and the King James's charity or love. And here the Bible says that, that if, we, if we were able to speak thousands of languages, but we didn't have love or charity. It was completely vain. And in verse number 3, the Bible says this, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Nothing. So if you were to walk down at 419 an electric road and give those fellas and ladies who were standing there with their sign, if you'd give them $100 every time you saw them, but you didn't do it out of love, the Bible says it was a waste of your time. So I wrote down this, giving cheerfully means giving compassionately. Giving cheerfully means giving compassionately. That is when we give somebody our time, when we give somebody our talents, when we give somebody our treasures, we are called to do it with love and compassion. Remember, the greatest love is God's love. And we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, later on. but, But his love was so rich to us, the Bible says that God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ Died for us. You see, that verse that we have back there, John three sixteen. it demonstrates that God loved us in such a way when we were completely and hopelessly unlovable, God loved us. In the same manner that God loved us, we are called to love each other. And when we love each other with God's love, then we will give, not just God, but give others time, talents, and treasures. Give Cheerfully means to give compassionately. But as I read Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 26 in the Old Testament now, we make a little shift to the words of the man named Solomon. The Bible says says these words, I'll just read it for us for the sake of time. It says, He coveteth greedily all the day long. Speaking of somebody who is proud and of a haughty spirit. But the Bible goes on to say, but the righteous gives and spares not. I wrote down this. Giving cheerfully means giving generously. Giving cheerfully means giving generously. That is, listen, did you know that God does not expect us to be hoarders of our time and hoarders of our talents and hoarders of our treasure. You see, God gave us this life to be used by Him, and, and the time that we have, the 24 hours, seven days a week, and whatever it amounts to a year and whatever it amounts to your lifetime, all those hours, that time is, we are called to say this God, I give you ownership of my time. How do you want me to use it? God, I give you ownership of my talents. How do you want me to use them? God, I give you ownership of my treasures. How do you want me to use them? And when we ask God that, we will not be stingy and, and, and hoard all of that stuff that God has given us, but we will give liberally and generously. Aren't you glad 2,000 years ago God didn't keep His only begotten Son to Himself? And He generously gave His only begotten Son. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, we read. In chapter 6, we read about prayer, we read about fasting, but we also read about giving alms. And there, the alms... If you go back and study the Old Testament and alms was was a gift outside of their regular offerings and and here the Bible talks about how how when you give your alms don't do it to be seen of men and listen I've been to 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 the place of Israel and and at the welling Wall I might have mentioned this the other day but when those Jewish people they go to the welling Wall they're they're standing before a huge crowd of people and they're they're doing this and they're praying and they take their prayers and they put them they write them down and they put them inside the wall and and in a sense that's all being done right out in the opening and I'm not saying not to pray in the opening. But if we're praying in the opening of public just to be seen by men, Jesus said we have that reward. And the Bible says in the same manner that when we're giving alms and gifts to be seen by men, that's going to be our reward. But the Bible says when we give those alms in secret, our Heavenly Father will see those that are given in secret and then He will reward us openly. So I wrote down giving cheerfully means giving graciously. Not just compassionately, not just generously, but graciously. That is being moved by the grace of God to give because He has given so much to us. The power of giving, it is so full of power. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Give God your time, give God your talents, give God your treasures, but I want to share with you a second thought today. Not only God is calling us to give cheerfully, but as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 and John chapter 3 verse 16, I wrote down the second sermon saying what I want to give to you. God is calling us to give bountifully. God is calling us to give bountifully. If you got your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, back where we were just a few moments ago. We read verse number 7, but now I want to read verse number 6. Chapter 9, verse 6. We read verse 7 where it says, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly over necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. But in verse number 6, the verse leading up to this one, it says this, But this I say, he which sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. John chapter 3, the verse right on the back walls, right there. In fact, Let's just say it together, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One of the greatest verses of the Bible. And in the greatest verse of the Bible, not only does it talk about Jesus and him dying on the cross, it talks about the fact that God the Father gave up his own most prized possession, in, in a sense, and that is... His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. God the Father gave us God the Son, so that we could, in a sense, have God the Holy Spirit. And, and here, God gave in such a way, a a liberal way, a way that is, is full, is bountifully He gave. And the Bible says here, if you sow a little bit, you're going to reap a little bit. But if you sow a lot, you're going to reap a lot. In other words, if you go and you plant one tomato plant, you might get 10 tomatoes. But if you plant 100 tomato plants, you might get 10,000 tomatoes. Man, that's a lot of tomatoes. (laughs) As I was meditating on these verses here, I thought about John chapter 6. Where in John chapter 6, a little old lad He had his little lunchbox with him. And all he had, the Bible says, was he had five loaves of bread and two little fishes. And you know what he did with that lunchbox? He didn't eat it for himself. He gave that lunchbox to the one who could feed the multitudes, the 5,000 men, the Bible says, plus the women and children. So you're looking at probably somewhere around 20,000 people that day, and Jesus took those those loaves of bread and those fishes, and he fed the multitudes. So imagine, imagine if we were to take the principle found in that story. Give God what you have, and he can use it to accomplish his will and glory. I wrote down this, Give God ownership over everything you own. That is your bank account, your retirement accounts, your house or houses, your car or vehicles, everything that you own. God has given it to you. And it's His. And He wants us to be good stewards. In Luke chapter 1, excuse me, in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, we read about a woman. In fact, she was a widowed woman. And the Bible says she gave two mites. And the Bible talks about how some of the Pharisees and the scribes and religious people that day, they looked at her gift and they were just disgusted because it was only two mites. It amounts to just a few pennies in in the American um, currency. But Jesus stepped in and said, that woman gave everything she had. And it might have only been just a couple of mites, but it was more than what you gave. So today, let us be reminded that the little lad gave his lunchbox the the widow woman gave all the money she owned in the early church the Bible says in the book of Acts earlier in the book of Acts how they took they sold all of their possessions and they brought it and laid it at the apostles feet to be used to advance the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and today I'm not saying go sell your house and bring the offering here to our church I'm not saying that today but what I am saying is that give God ownership over everything that you own and say God however you want me to use Use this place, however, do you want me to use this and however you want me to use that? God, direct me and show me. I wrote down this also as I read Psalm 50, where it talks about how He owns the cattle in a thousand hills, He owns it all. And how in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says he can supply all our needs. And in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 33, it says that when we put God first, he provides for all our needs. So I, I know what the temptation is. It says, well, well, how can I afford to give? Because, man, I got, I got, I mean, I got the mortgage or the rent. I, I mean, I got the car payment. I got the electric. I mean, you got all the bills. Trust me, I understand all that. But may I say this, that when you put God first, he'll provide everything for you in your life. Isn't that what he said? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things the necessities he will provide. So I wrote down this, give bountifully and watch God provide. Give bountifully and watch God provide. Give, give God all of your time. Give God all of your talents and give God all of your treasures and you'll watch him provide in a great and mighty way. There's been times where God would place it in my heart to to give a sum of money to somebody else to be used. To further the kingdom of God. And then the very next week or the very next day or sometimes even the very same day. God sent somebody along in my life to give me an amount that was more. Years ago I walked into the music store. I was a freshman in college. I dropped out. I had a bad experience in college and dropped out. I felt like a, a, a loser. You know, because, I mean, in our culture, we say that, hey, you got to go to college in order to be successful. So, I mean, all that pressure was laid on me. And I walked in the music store, and I saw a harp there. And I said, man, that's a am going to learn to play that. But it was $4,000. And here I was, as an 18-, 19-year-old young man, and trust me, I didn't have $4,000. <laughs> um, but, but I prayed, and I said, God, if you provide the finances for me to... To be able to purchase this, I'll use it for your glory. And you know, later that summer, God provided the full amount of money for me to purchase that harp in cash. It's interesting, uh, I finally figured out which Bible college I wanted to go to. And, you know, he would never want me to say this because it's just the way he was. Pastor Likens, one of the former pastors here, he asked me one day, he said, Brian, how much does a year of, of college cost for you? And I told him the amount, and he got his checkbook out and wrote the full amount for me my second year of college. Today, I stand here, and I can truly testify that if you give God everything, He's going to provide for you in many great ways. As I look out this auditorium today, I see men and women that God has truly provided for. And He can continue to do it. So let's remember to give bountifully. And let's watch God provide. I also wrote down this as I read Luke chapter 6. It says says these words. This is what Jesus said. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. This is the principle of the law of sowing and reaping. That is in Galatians, the Bible says that whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if you sow into the kingdom of God, you're going to reap rewards in heaven. Proverbs chapter 3 talks about how we honor the Lord with our first fruits. God is calling us to give bountifully. Let's give him the first fruits of our time. Let's give him the first fruits of our talents. And let's give him the first fruits of our treasures. God is calling us to give bountifully, to give cheerfully. But may I share with you a third and final thought today? I wrote on this. God is calling us to invest in eternity. God is calling us to invest in eternity. And Malachi, this is a book of the Bible, the very last, the very last book in the Old Testament, that is in our in our in our English Bible. Malachi is the very, very last book. Malachi was a prophet in the Old Testament. We're not going di- to dive too deep into, into his life and, and ministry. But the Bible tells us in, in chapter 3 and verses 8 through 9, excuse me, 8, 8 through 10. I'll read it for you. It says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9 says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouses, that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. In this passage, we see that the nation of Israel, this is the Old Testament, and the Old Testament prophet here, Malachi, was preaching to the Jewish people, and he says, listen, fellas, remember back in the book of Leviticus, Exodus, and Deuteronomy, where God said you are called to give a certain amount of money to the uh, synagogues and the temple so it could be used to further the word of God, and Malachi's reminding them, hey, 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 you're not doing this. And you are, in a sense, robbing God. And today, listen, in the New Testament, we develop a standard that says that, that it's, that a 10% is a simple standard that we've carried over into the New Testament. And it's a great place to start. But God wants us to give it all to Him. Remember that. Remember the book of Acts. And here, I just, I just want us to be reminded of this thought that, that if we fail to give God our time, talents, and treasures, we are robbing God of what He has given to us. And so I wrote down this thought. We are robbing God if we are not investing in eternity. In Matthew chapter 19, the Bible talks of a very wealthy man came to Jesus. And he said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, uh, do you know the commandments? And he said, yeah, he started to name the commandments, you know, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, all those commandments. And he said, all those have I kept from my youth up. And Jesus said these words, profound words to a very wealthy young man. He said, all right, go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. (laughs) That young man did not go and sell everything that he had, but he turned around and walked from Jesus. And the Bible says that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. The disciples said, well, hey, Lord, how, how is it possible then? Uh, it, it, a camel can't go through the eye of a needle. And and Jesus said, well, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So he, hear me well today. The God that can save somebody who who is who is as poor as John the Baptist and eating locusts and wild honey and wearing just one garment of camel's hair is the same God that can walk into the, the most expensive home in the Beverly Hills and just destine somebody to be saved by the grace of God. God is able to do miracles and let's invest in eternity. I wrote on this, we are worshiping God when we invest in eternity. Acts chapter 4 talks about after they prayed, the place was shaken and they have brought, they have laid down what they sold. They made a covenant with God saying, God, we're going to sell our possession. We're going to give it all to the work of the Lord. And in Acts chapter 5, we read about Ananias and Sapphira who kept a portion back for themselves. And the Bible says that God's judgment came upon them so severe that their lives were taken. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 7 says that we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we will take nothing out. So how, how can we invest? Well, I'll tell you what, you can invest by giving somebody a Bible. There's one way. How can we invest in eternity? Well, we can literally buy somebody a Bible and give them. And hey, listen, maybe, maybe you are, are not good at talking with people. And that's fine. You know, some people aren't. Well, we have ways that you can give to the Gideon International Ministry like we do every year, a couple times a year. And you can literally give somebody a copy of God's Word. And listen, heaven will only tell of the influence our church has had on those, those people who've read those Bibles in the hotels and jails and everywhere throughout the world in the schools. The Bible talks about how we can give. Of course, God is is calling us to give to our our local church here. But above that, God is calling us to also, we can give to missions. How can we do that? Well, we have missionaries here that we support. And I am so thankful that we give. You may not know this if you don't come to any of our our meetings. But but our church gives uh, almost $4,000 every single month to missions. And that's a way that we can... We can advance the gospel not just here in our community, but overseas at at, at orphanages, at, at 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 missionaries in 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 Argentina or 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 Ghana or, or any other nation around the world. We can we can advance God's word that way. And then and then I know that 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 some of us some of us here in our midst today, you know you know we're not, not we're not getting younger. And so some of you might be in an age where, where at a stage where where you are retired and, and you, are, you 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 have worked your life and listen you you have planned accordingly. But may I just add this that one way we can invest in eternity is, is we could say that hey hey when I pass away, I want to put in my will that that a certain portion of everything that I own is gonna to go to missions or it's gonna to go to the church or it's gonna to go to to a Gideon ministry or gonna to go to something like that. That's a way that, that you can invest in eternity. From all the things that God has given to you. I also wrote on this. We are obeying God when we invest in eternity. Jesus made the greatest investment 2,000 years ago. He was slain on the cross. And His investment was for you and for me. And today we are called to carry that torch, if you will, of the gospel. Each of us into our world with our time, with our talents, with our treasures. Some here today have a lot of time. Some here today have a lot of talent. And some here today have a lot of treasures. Some might have a couple of them. Some might have all of them. Some might have just one. Whatever it is, God is summoning us to give it all to Him and ask Him, God, how do you want us? How do you want me to use this? I believe that if we were to get serious about this issue right here, we would see the power of giving. Hey, guys. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you, and have a great week.